Hey listeners, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We had a great conversation with Dan Goldberg, an entrepreneur and the host of the Bits of Gold podcast. We cover a variety of topics with Dan, including his entrepreneurial journey, his inspiring outlook on life, how he has dealt with tragedy, as well as the trials and tribulations of hosting a podcast. We hope you enjoy. So we just wanted to jump in real quick, um, just about um, being entrepreneur at a young age. Um, what drove that? I know you obviously transferred to Syracuse and focused more on entrepreneurship there. But yeah, if you could just talk about to start with um, what really triggered that and uh, where this passion began. Yeah, um, I'd say. So my, my entrepreneurial journey started when I was 14, uh, at age 14, uh, this is like really how it came about. I was sitting in a hot tub on a vacation with my dad and my dad was an industrial designer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I told him at 14, I want to be like you. I want to like, he loved, he loved work. And I told him, Hey, I want to be like you. I want to uh, do something that I'm like that passionate about that. I love that much. And his advice to me was find something you love and you'll build something great. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a little bit in hindsight, like now where I'm at in life, I think it's definitely loaded advice and like kind of generic and a little bit broad. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. necessarily the best advice, but at 14, I think it was helpful. And uh, literally the same day uh, I told him, you know, I loved boxing and I was working at a boxing gym uh, probably for like a little more than a year. And I was just, I was, from like 13 to 14. Uh, and for some of 14, I was in the gym every day after school and, uh, I didn't have like a meeting. I was like cleaning the gym, you know, like I, yeah. I just wanted to be in that environment. And, um, I told my dad, Hey, I love boxing. Why don't I try to do something boxing related? I am already working in the gym and there's no store. Why don't I try to sell stuff to people that come in and out of the gym? So literally, within a week, like we were on that vacation. And a week later I opened up, my dad helped me open up my first business and I imported boxing equipment from Thailand. And, um, about a month later, the goods arrived and, um, we did some research and I don't know, two months later, we had all this gear show up to my house and, um, I brought it to the gym and started selling it. And that was like the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey. Um, I, I've had that business. It was called golden gear from 2009 to 2015. Wow. Um, I sold it in 2015 to one of my larger customers, but I'd say that that sort of just like opened up the door into the world of entrepreneurship, what could be. And uh, I'd say very much today, like the continual, the continual driving force behind all I do is just 
as of right now is just kind of exploring the things I'm curious about. And, um, you know, I have a lot of, uh, beliefs, personal beliefs around entrepreneurship and why I think it's so great. But, um, I guess for me, entrepreneurship, like I used to, uh, and I'm probably getting too much into the weeds here, but I, for, for quite some time, like after college, when I graduated, I thought I wasn't like a real entrepreneur because I wasn't one of these entrepreneurs going out, raising tons of money, building a business with tons of employees. And, um, and I really questioned my own belief, whether I'm an entrepreneur, am I not an entrepreneur? Should I go get a job? And I worked at a job. I worked at a startup for about seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, and like today I so clearly, uh, believe in like, I am, I love entrepreneurship. Um, I'm an entrepreneur like through and through. And, uh, like I live, breathe, eat, sleep, wake up again, do it, do it all over, uh, entrepreneurship. I just think starting something, I mean, even this podcast, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's entrepreneurial. You're, you're trying to do something, whether this becomes a business, a hobby, a passion project, uh, doesn't matter. I think it's cool that, you know, you're exploring something that you're curious about, that you're passionate about, that you want to see if you can make something happen with it. And I think that's, what's really cool about entrepreneurship. You could sort of take whatever you want and hopefully solve a problem and, or just make something valuable that, uh, is valuable to you or other people. Yeah. I think something you said that's interesting is that, so you had this idea, um, with golden gear boxing. And I think a lot of people have these ideas, uh, that they dream about, um, maybe on a weekly or monthly or yearly basis, but they're not sure how to begin those ideas for you with golden gear boxing. Was there a period of time? I, you said it was a week, which is impressive, but were you at all hesitant about how to actually get this off the ground? No. And I think, I think, I mean, part of it was that my dad definitely, like my dad gave me some money to go buy some mm-hmm. boxing equipment. So, um, you know, I was very fortunate from my upbringing and just like the position that, uh, I, I mean, I was 14 years old. I didn't know yeah. left from right. And, um, I was just, I had, I was in a fortunate position where there was really no, um, there was no downside. Like if it didn't work, I would lose some of my dad's money. And he always said like, you know, you're going to learn the most by, by doing. And I remember going to him so many times when like something bad would happen. Like we, like I'm 14 years old, I'm bound to screw up. You know I mean? I'm 27 now and I'm still bound to screw up in business. And he would always just say like, okay, just imagine if you were 10 years from now and you know, you made the same mistake, but the, the, the impact was 10 times worse because you're dealing with more money, bigger problems, bigger business, etc. So he sort of encouraged me to not shy away from like fucking up or screwing right. up because, um, that's where all the, the learning is. And I'd say, um, so no, like the risk was so low when I think about people who are in their early twenties, um, I still have that meant like, I think the risk is still so low, you know, like, uh, I could go on and on about this, but when you're in college, you have, even if you take out like student loans, et cetera, there are so many ways to get capital to like explore an idea. When I was at Syracuse, I won close to, I think like just shy of $50,000 in business competitions. And like there are, and some of them weren't even relevant to like my core business. Some of them were like, submit your idea and win $2,500. Um, so, you know, like, there's so much, there's so, there's so many, op- there's so many opportunities to go and get, um, some money from someplace somewhere, somehow to explore, tinker, 
to try to build um, where I think like the barrier or sorry, the, the, the impact if you are to fail is so low um, and sort of now in my later twenties um, I just see that the impact is greater where I have more responsibility. I'm now engaged. Uh, I imagine soon after I'll start to build a family and like the impact. Yes. Like if I screw up um, it is a little bit scarier because uh, you know, I have rent, I have bills to pay. I have uh, my fiance. Eventually I have a dog. Like I just have much more responsibility now than even, I don't know, six years ago. So, um, but I still don't think that's a reason to like uh, deter you, but it, it just gets a little bit more uh, scary and you need to, I guess, at least I would, I believe you need to be a little bit more calculated with uh, the risks you take. But like, I think when you're, when you're in high school, when you're in college, I mean, there's, there's like virtual, I don't, I honestly still don't see any risk. What's, you know, like if you start something and it goes uh, and it's a complete disaster, hopefully you will not have burned through so much money. And I think like, even in like in college, I never, I never had access to uh, maybe the capital that I have access to now. So like, you know, uh, in a worse, I don't know, in college I did, I lost like about $30,000, but um, and that's, that sucked. That was in a business that I was involved with, but, um, it's not like, like I, I wasn't paying for the place I was staying in. I wasn't staying, I wasn't paying for the shitty house we lived in, you know, like there was just my, my parents were still supporting me with food. So, um, there was, there was like, you know, there's, there's, there's no, there's no real risk. I think a lot of the risk is self-imposed or self-created. Yeah. I'd be curious as somebody who's like entrepreneurial and you mentioned a lot about failure and how, um, the risk of failure isn't that high. Um, I'd be curious, just like as an entrepreneurial kind of guy, like, how do you think about failure and, and like, are there any stories of fit? Like, what was your first failure? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Failure. I feel like failure in some ways is, is the story you tell yourself because I'll just use a great example. Mm -hmm. I sold my, my first business, Golden Gear Boxing. I didn't, I didn't. I think I got back the money that I put into it. I didn't make, I didn't make all this money. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I didn't make all this money and like, Oh, now I'm going to go shopping and go yeah. buy some fun toys. I, I think I, at best, I might've broken even or, uh, made a couple thousand dollars if that after selling it. And I put from 2009 to 2015, you know, I put several years of my life into that, um, all this time, energy. Uh, and it was like my first, let's call it my first, like, baby as it relates to, to business. I think I'm mm -hmm. much more, uh, I'm much more, uh, like I'm not as attached anymore to businesses. I view them much more as like vehicles today, as mm -hmm. opposed to, uh, something where I'm like deeply, deeply passionate, passionate mm -hmm. about, but we can get into that a little. Yeah. So, you know, some, some, someone might look at that experience and say, Oh, it was a failure. You didn't make any money. Mm -hmm. I look at that and I say, that was a great success. Um, I didn't really lose money and I learned so much and that opened sure. up this, this whole world into entrepreneurship. So I don't really believe that that was a failure. Um, and, and I, and I would say like, I, I just remember I called my a mentor at the time and I told him like, Hey, I sold it. I'm not really going to make much money, maybe a couple thousand dollars. And I was disappointed. Like I was crying because I thought I, I really fucked up. And he told mm -hmm. me, you know, you have nothing to be disappointed about. You took something that didn't exist, created something of it. And we're able to grow it for several years and then uh, sell it to someone who saw value in what you created. He said, that's a tremendous 
that's a tremendous lesson right there. So um, I don't know. And then I think even like today, as it relates to business, even the like anything that I've done where like I fucked up or I made a mistake um, or just things didn't work. uh, It sucks in the moment, but when you sort of get out of that, um, when you get out of that suckiness, um, there's, you know, when you get out of that shit storm of like beating yourself up for a couple Mm -hmm. of days, if you're able to take a step back and try to figure out what you learned from the experience or through the experience, there's a ton of value there. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I spoke about, I put, so I put $30,000 into the second business that I was involved with, mm-hmm. um, diamond. And I didn't, I ended up leaving that business. Uh, it was a bad time in my life. I had a disagreement with some of the partners. We didn't see eye to eye. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Ended up leaving and just left the money and didn't, I didn't have equity. I had no paperwork. I had nothing. And the guys there are all great guys. I have nothing bad against them, like bad to say about them. Um, but I put in money and didn't, didn't like, uh, I didn't secure my ownership position in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like in hindsight, there's a lot of valuable lessons there in terms of how to properly set up your business, how to properly navigate partnerships. Um, so like even that, you know, there's, I view that as an expensive lesson and um, I'm grateful for it. I think the way I view like these, um, the way I view these, uh, let's call these failures or these mistakes. Um, you know, you always want, it's important to fail. I think mm-hmm. failure should actually, it shouldn't be encouraged, but, um, it shouldn't be looked upon as like, Oh, these kids or that guy did a business or that woman did a business and mm-hmm. didn't work. She sucks. He sucks, etc. I think it should be like, that's also Like you're doing better than 95% of the people who are like, I have a great idea, but haven't done shit with it. For sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that you want like failure should be encouraged to the degree that, uh, it will knock you down, but it won't knock you out. You know, like, Mm -hmm. let's say I failed and I was $300,000 in debt. Maybe I'll never, that will be a hard one to like, that will be like, you know, you hear stories of some people who like lose everything and they have to go back and build up from, from scratch. I can't fathom doing that. I think like, uh, I don't know. It just seems, that seems like it would be a hard pill to swallow, but, um, you know, like all my mess ups, even the significant ones, um, they teach me great lessons. I, so th- my first, the first time I really started to make good money in my business, I I took like 30 at first I, I put $15,000 in, in a, in a food business as like an angel investment. And I'm like, Oh, I have all, I have all this. I'm, I'm making like good money. Now I'm going to, I'm going to be an angel investor, mm-hmm. put $15,000 in, didn't really know what I was doing. And the, the business was actually good. Right. Um, but you have no control as an investor, whether the business goes, uh, does well or doesn't do well. I put another $15,000. I put another $7,500. All of a sudden I invested like $40,000 in this business. The business is like exploding in terms of their sales, but operationally disaster. Not working out. I lost, I lost the business, went out of business after like two and a half years, I lost like $40,000. And, um, yeah, like, you know, in the moment I was like, this sucks, but, um, you know, like now, um, I've invested in a few companies now, but, totally different in terms of my approach, my take, mm-hmm. uh, the amount that I'm willing to invest the amount, you know, like I know now when I'm supposed to not put any more money in and walk away. So, you know, those are, uh, those are invaluable lessons. And the only way I would have learned them is really through screwing up. 
So I don't know. I think I, I hate how today, like, <laughs> I think it's funny. A lot of, and a lot of people our age, I feel, and, and younger are guilty of this. You know, they'll shit talk their friend who started a business and it didn't work, mm-hmm. but you're yet you're the one who's shit talking. And you've told me a million times you have an idea and you haven't done dick with it. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So Dan, you have your hands in a lot of different businesses. What are you, what are you focusing on for the most part, uh, on a daily basis now? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd say on a daily basis, I'm pretty focused on, uh, my core business, which is mag sourcing today. Mm -hmm. I had run an agency helping companies manufacture products overseas. Um, through that we, um, spun out and launched an e-commerce company, uh, called happen. We sell a no assembly electric sit to stand desk, um, that business we launched about six months ago. It's really in its infancy. Um, mag sourcing, doing it for almost six years now. Uh, we work on a lot of different consumer products, uh, helping them manufacture, find the factories overseas, scale their production, etc. cetera. Uh, probably like most, most notably, we, uh, we help the weighted blanket gravity. Uh, oh, no way. Like I have a, one of those. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we help them with all their manufacturing, which was pretty neat. That's awesome. How'd you, uh, how'd you get involved with gravity? Um, a friend actually introduced me to, uh, John, who's like genius entrepreneur. Yeah. Really. I applaud that guy so much. Just, uh, learned a lot through watching what he does, but that's how we got, uh, that's how we got connected. We don't make it anymore, but, mm-hmm. um, it was, a uh, it was a fun ride while, while we did while, while we were, were working on that. But, um, yeah, like I think in terms of the way I think through work today, so those are like the two main projects that I'm working on now. But um, just in terms of how I think through work, I'm 27 and like I think I still like to, I still sort of have my explorer's cap on. Like uh, I'm pretty deep in uh, the, the two businesses that I'm trying to build on a regular basis, but um, I'm still very much like a student trying to learn on a regular basis. Right constantly reading, networking, learning about new opportunities and um, seeing sort of uh, how I can grow as an entrepreneur. I think I'm, I'm really a big believer that uh, like, I think it's very good to go very deep in one thing. And for me thus far, that's been uh, sort of a combo of sales and manufacturing. That's where at least I found a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think your twenties are a great time to go very wide as well and uh, dabble in a few different areas and get a lot of different experience. So uh, maybe later on in my thirties, I'll choose to go very deep, but I'll have like a very broad knowledge base. Yeah. And you said before, like right off, like very early on, you were talking about how you're using like entrepreneurship as a way to kind of explore the things that you're curious about. Um, I'd be, and I know that you're, you know, you said you're going deep on a couple of things, but like what else are you kind of curious about? Are there other things that you think, maybe, you know, a third type of business that you're looking at? Um, <laughs> or like well, what's next type of thing? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm really fascinated by e-commerce and I think mm-hmm. I already have the, the, the skill set for one of the things that, um, and the team in place for mm-hmm. one of the things that people, um, find challenging, which is the manufacturing piece. So that's why we launched this sit to stand desk company. Yeah. Um, and going to learn a lot through that experience, whether it works or doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so far, you know, we've had pretty, we've had like a really good response to the product, et cetera. So that's exciting. And then um, right now I'm doing like a ton of reading and research in real estate. I've made mm-hmm. some uh, 
both passive and like active investments, uh, just like fascinated by the leverage that you can get in real estate as opposed to some other businesses. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's good to like, um, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people, uh, in their early twenties, I, (laughs) it's funny. I discussed this on the podcast earlier today, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of people in their early twenties have typically have two of which ways that they go. Mm -hmm. I think, a lot of people leave college and they they think they know exactly what they want to do, whether it be that they, they've they painted this story in their head that they're going to go this path. It's the right path for them. And they're sort of closed minded to other ideas that don't fit that mold. Um, and that might be because their parents were doctors and they're like, I'm going to become a doctor um, or their parents were or their dad was a marketer and then the the son or the daughter goes, I'm going to go into marketing. Mm -hmm. I think that that happens a lot Um, only to have that person maybe realize once they're doing it for X amount of years um, or even a year that, Hey, like I don't like anything about marketing. I don't even know why I ended up doing this Um, or they leave college and they have no clue what they want to do and they stumble into something and they sort of see where the wind blows. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's typically more often than not the two things that happen that happens. And I really think like big advocate, I think, I think, and I, I love Syracuse. I'm still very involved with the school. I think overall with college, a lot of changes needed. Like for me to send my kids to college, I think in terms of uh, how college is priced today, like so many changes will need to take place. Um, But I think that like, I don't, I think it's just bizarre that, you're encouraged to like, it's looked badly upon you if you sort of don't have all your shit figured out when you're mm-hmm. 21. Um, and it's like the kids that are like, oh, I'm going into finance are like praised yeah. because it's like, oh, they have their shit figured out. Mm-hmm. But like that person might wake up after 10 years and be like, life's not all about money and I'm completely miserable in my life. What the hell do I do now? So that's why I think in your 20s, like I think, in, I honestly think post-college you should travel you should try like 12 jobs. I think you should like I, people, people will tell you, Oh, like I don't want to mess up my resume. So I'm not going to jump to this job. It's like, you hate your job. Why don't you try something else? Who can like, who gives a shit about your resume? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think like that hopping mentality or just like, um, you know, I said entrepreneurship as it enables me to explore my curiosities, but I think wearing that explorer hat and trying a lot of different things, sort of like, going to, to, uh, you know, a buffet and seeing what you like and don't like, that's sort of how I think it should be with your career. I just think I know so many people who like wake up in their thirties and I'm probably like ranting a little bit, but I know so many people in their thirties who wake up and they're doing the same thing or something similar for like the past 10, 15 years. And what happens is now they have a family, kids, a dog, whatever it is. And they mm-hmm. wake up and they're like, and they're stuck. Yeah. I, yeah. I, they, and <laughs> they're stuck and they have no other skills besides the thing that they've done for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, maybe you should have explored some other things instead of been being so closed minded that that was the path for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dan, I heard you talk about this on a, one of your shorter episodes. Um, of what success means. And I found it really interesting. You talking about kind of what you just mentioned using the kid as an example, who went straight into finance realizes a decade later that that's not really what they enjoy. Um, but I think that's a common notion too, of what you mentioned that the amount 
you said the amount in your bank account is kind of how success is measured by some people. And I think it's very interesting to kind of look at the other angles and other facets of life where you're actually happy. If you could kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, I don't... sorry, not to cut you off. And one more thing too, I think it's a definitely an issue in today's society is also just, um, I don't know if you want to call it fake happiness on social media, but creating this image that's <laughs> not necessarily, um, the truth about a certain person. Yeah. I mean, I think social, like <laughs> social media is the weirdest thing. I mean, it's mm -hmm. literally, I feel like in so many ways it's, uh, I don't know. It's like poisonous in so many ways. I think, uh, because people see shit on there and then they're like, Oh, I need to do that. And then maybe people act in, they're not acting rationally or they're coming from like an emotional place to, I don't know. There's, there's that famous quote. That's like, you're buying shit to impress, uh, to impress people that you don't even like something like mm -hmm. that, you know? And I think, um, there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of, I don't know. Social media is just like poison. I, 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 I'd be lying if I told you I didn't like scroll through Instagram every day, but, um, like t I don't do TikTok or any of, I don't know. I just think there's like, but you do see it has, it has a tremendous impact. I'll just talk about social media in my own experience in the past. And I really, I don't do this anymore, but in the past, I'd look at other entrepreneurs that I know on social media and the guy would be like flexing in his Ferrari and he'd be like, fuck, I don't have a Ferrari. What am I mm -hmm. doing wrong? Do I have a good business? And that really would drive me nuts. Now I'm just like, whatever, I'm going to do me. Um, and, you know, hopefully uh, I'm going to, I mean, I could get into this in a little, in a little bit, but uh, I'm going to do the things that are going to make me happy and not give a shit about the guy that, is saying he closed $6 million in sales this month, mm -hmm. whether it's true or not true, I'm going to build a life that I'm happy, that I'm happy with. I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of, so I don't think that life should be looked at as like how successful you are in terms of your career. Um, I don't think that should be like the measure of a person's success. I really think success is how happy you are. Um, I think when it's all said and done, we all, we all live, we all die. And when we die, how much money you made is the most irrelevant thing in the world. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, I don't, I think the emphasis should be around building a life, a life you love. And that's sort of why I started the podcast and something mm -hmm. that I want to get out. That's the message that I want to get on and share with the world. But I think that in terms of like, just going back, you know, and I guess maybe it's cause I'm in my late twenties and, just like the age, I guess, you know, I think it's, it's an interesting age to be at because I see a lot of kids that come out of college who, like I said, they either like are so certain they know what they want to do, but they really have no clue or they really don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. And they're like, fuck, what am I going to do with my life? And then I know a lot of people who wake up in their late thirties who are like, where, where has my life gone? What am I doing with my time? Um, but I think, I think society, like the na the narrative around for young people in their 20s coming out of school, I just think that the message that society tells us of what's like normal and acceptable is just such a screwed up mm -hmm. message. You know, like go to school, get a job, and then you're going to like live your, li live your little happy life. But um, I don't think there's really ever – like I can't recall when, I, when we were in college – of anyone sitting me down being like asking me questions deeper than like, just what do you want to do yeah. 
what do you want to do professionally? Like what's your five year plan, 10 year plan, all that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I want to be happy. You know, that's, that's my, that's my number one goal. Tell me how I can do that. Don't, you know, don't. And that's, that's, that's where I think the problem lies. I think a lot of people are steered towards go and make money. Um, and that's viewed as like, Oh, uh, Jim is Jim's Jim got a good job paying him $80,000 out of school. He's going to go live a happy life, but it means nothing. So you had that mindset in college. Um, it's definitely evolved more like post college. Yeah, I was going to ask. That's you know that's why I want to say like in college I was really. I want to say in college I was pretty focused around figuring out a way to make money, mm-hmm. um, and probably pursuing like money over everything else. And Mm -hmm. now my priorities are a little bit different where Mm -hmm. it's like, what do I want to do with my time? And Mm -hmm. then everything else. Um, So the question that I ask now is like, you know, money still personally for me is important, but um, what's more important to me is ultimately being happy. So like I would never, uh, yeah. So, you know, sort of the way I think through, um, like I think the new wealth today is, is time is being mm. in control of time uh, or your time. Right. So today I don't have someone telling me I need to work X hours. I don't have someone, um, you know, controlling my time, whether, uh, whether it be, this is when I want to wake up and do my work. This mm. is when I want to work out. This is when I want to go play with my dog. This is when I want to go on vacation. And I think that that is um, like, I think becoming time wealthy mm-hmm. is really what I strive for. And I think mm-hmm. that, that's that's like the new the new currency of being wealthy mm-hmm. um having that complete autonomy over how you spend your time yeah. and to go even a step further mm-hmm. um it's not just like um i'm an entrepreneur and i can control how i spend my day it's that outside of work i'm sitting down and thinking about how do i want to spend my time and then being very intentional about how i do that and where i spend my time like i I, I don't mean to keep ranting, but no, no, no. I don't know if there's like, I've spent an insane amount of time thinking about how I want to spend my time and building the life around that. I mean, literally on my wall, I have a sign that says living my perfect day and literally work is not work is not on there. And I think everything else is gravy. What what's on there is work out, break a sweat, meditate for five minutes, write in my gratitude journal, mm-hmm. read for 10 minutes, play with my dog, spend quality time with Emily, my fiance, get in nature, stretch. That, that to I me is it. like my perfect day. If mm-hmm. I get to work, if I get to go on a podcast, if I get to do something exciting outside of work, but that might professionally advance me, if I get to see a friend, like that's all gravy. But mm-hmm. that to me right there is like, that's my definition of living my perfect day. And to me, that's, that's like wealth, like making mm-hmm. sure that I could do that and not have someone up my ass telling me, you know, or it's not even about having a boss. I just want to make that clear, I guess. It's more that I'm being intentional. If if I if if I wanted to be intentional with my time and I said, I'm gonna go become the V the mark the marketing guy at this company, and that's how I want to spend my time because I'm really passionate or enthusiastic about marketing, mm-hmm. that's awesome too. By like, all means, yeah. Yeah. So I don't I don't mean to encourage and say that entrepreneurship is like the golden path mm-hmm. because I don't think everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. I just mean that I think it's very important that people, I think the greatest wealth is time wealth. Yeah. 
Yeah, and is this outlook somewhat um, impacted by some of the tragedy you've been through? Is that um, partially what caused this new outlook from or this transfer from money to time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I see the world in a completely different lens today than I did um, two years ago and five years ago. So my dad died at 20. My mom died at 25. Um, and I'd say from the way I viewed the world, like I sort of view the world in phases, right? Like um, there was life before my dad was sick. Mm-hmm. There was life after my dad died. There was life when my mom was alive. And now there's life after when my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. And um, through those series of unfortunate events, obviously lost a tremendous amount. But mm-hmm. um, I'd be lying if I didn't also say that um, the perspective that I've gained um, and the way I view the world today is very much due to the the tragedies that I've lived through. And it's not to say that maybe I wouldn't have gotten here eventually, but, um, you know, I view the world in a completely different light today because of that. And um, I'd say like, yeah, like I've, I've experienced significant loss, not once, but twice at such by age 25. And there's, you know, we can talk about grief a little bit Mm -hmm. and loss. And it's very, grief is very complicated there's no right way or wrong way to grieve. There's just how someone, uh, you know, each person's process or grieving process is like a never ending journey. Um, but for me, it's been a very, uh, and it's not to say this is how it is for everyone, but, um, for me personally, it's been, uh, completely game changing in the sense, in terms of how I view the world. I think I wrestle with the idea that, um, you know, through losing the two most important people in my life, I gained so much. And, you know, I'm not grateful that my parents died so young, mm-hmm. but I'm grateful for the way I view the world. I'm grateful for the way I see things today. I'm grateful for the perspective I now have. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's definitely a weird, um, the idea of losing so much, but gaining so much is just like a weird thing to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd say, the biggest lesson in losing both my parents without a doubt is for me is this. And I've said it time and time again, you can't control how much time you have on this earth. Mm -hmm. The only thing you can control is how and where you spend that time. And for me, uh, you know, every single day I wake up and I ask, how do I want to spend my time today? And being super intentional about how I spend my time, my day, that to me is like the formula to living a happy life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think, uh, I yeah, like absolutely, you know, without a doubt, um, you know, I could use so many examples, but I have friends that for so long would be like, you know, I don't have time to, to go surfing today. And that's literally their love. And it's like, but dude, like, you don't know how much time you have left on earth. You got to make mm-hmm. the time. You got to put that in your calendar and commit to that just as you would, uh, you know, work. Like that's an important piece to your life. And there's more to life than just work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's why I think it's so important to get super intentional with how and where you spend your time. Yeah. You keep using that word intentional. I just, if you could like just 
talk a little bit more about that? Like go like kind of explain what you mean and how you go about like actually being intentional and, and following through on those things. Yeah. Um, you know, I think intentionality is really, really important. I mean, much of what we spoke about is like work, but mm -hmm. I think there's too many people who sort of float through life. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, you know, they one day might wake up and say, Hey, where, where has my life gone? Right. Uh, what have I been doing with all, with all this time that I had? I think being intentional is asking yourself really how to, like, I don't know how many people sit down with pen and paper mm -hmm. and this might sound silly, but write down, like, how do, what do I want today? Like manufacture your day, like mm -hmm. write down exactly how you want today to go. Yeah. But I'm not talking about like today. I'm talking about like, write down, like what would be your perfect day? Mm -hmm. Write down what would be your perfect month. Write down what would be your your perfect year. And I'm not I'm not saying like um, try to manifest it. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying like write it down and see how you can actually make that your day. Um, you know, like I don't I don't know. I personally don't know any. I I know of so few people mm -hmm. that like live their life with that level of intentionality yeah. where they've actually thought about. And maybe like showed it to a friend and say, Hey, like, what do you think about this? This is the, this is the day that I want to live mm -hmm. like on a daily basis. What do you think? And I don't know how many people actually do that. And it might sound like silly, you know, because a lot of people might just be focused on, I just want to get a job or mm -hmm. I just want to get a raise or I just want to advance professionally. But to me, like there are so many there, I think there are a few key areas in your life where you need to build like a holistic life. I think, um, I think there's a great deal of life to being, being balanced and it's not just career. I think like to me, the, the immediate things that come up where that are important areas to be very intentional around are career, financial, family, friends, adventure, mm -hmm. health, wellness, fitness, I mm -hmm. bu bucket those all together, yeah, yeah. maybe spiritual, uh, like home community. There might be two other things, but those are like, you know, being intentional, um, you know, I'm just going to give you a great example, like being really intentional in, in all those categories. So thinking through your adventure, right? Mm -hmm. Your adventure category, because we're all humans. We like to live a life of, of totally. adventure, things that are exciting. Like what are your plans this year in terms of your adventure? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Are you going to go on an adventure with your girlfriend, your fiance? Cool. That could be one adventure. Are you going to go on an adventure with uh, you know, your best friends. Cool. That could be another adventure and commit to doing those things. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, cool. I'm going to check this box without a doubt this year. I'm going to live some things of adventure. Okay. Now I need to focus on my finances. What are my goals there? What do I want to mm -hmm. achieve? So really plotting your life to that, to that degree and that level of, um, intentionality. And that's really how I, how I live my life. Like mm -hmm. I have a big calendar on the wall where, each month I'm writing things on there that I'm going to commit to doing. And it's not just focused around work. I mean, a lot of them are focused around maybe fitness, maybe adventure, maybe seeing friends, et cetera. And doing that also on a, on an annual basis. And really like my years plotted out way before, you know, that day comes like today's mm -hmm. today was plotted out long ago. Right. I knew what today would look like. That's awesome. I, I never really think to do that. I mean, like personally, like I'm always thinking about the week ahead. I'm thinking about, maybe the month, but I mean, I have no clue what I'm going to be doing in September, 2021 and not the first fucking clue. So I think that's yeah, interesting to think about. 
yeah, I think there are also a lot of people that don't necessarily know what they like. For example, um, you mentioned writing down what a perfect day looks like. Um, yeah, not to cut you off, Spectre. I think a lot of people don't know what their perfect day does look like. For example, they could write down their perfect day and then look back at the end of the day and realize, eh, that maybe I don't enjoy that that much and maybe learn more about themselves too. Mm -hmm. But that's, but that's cool too, because you can at least try. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People will probably listen to this and say, this kid's a psycho who, who plans, you know, this, their perfect day. But, um, but see, that's, that's what I mean. Like, I think a lot of people don't think through their life like that and they just like wake up and, go to work, come home, eat dinner and go to sleep and rinse, repeat. And it's like, Mm -hmm. cool. Did you actually want to do any of that today? Or was that just like, is that just like you're in the rut because that's just the life you're living? I don't know. You know, like, um, and, and I don't mean to, when I say like, I planned it out, right. Like, um, I mean more like the big things, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So like, you know, like, I love like, who doesn't go love going on like an adventure with friends, whether that Mm -hmm. be, a hike, a trip, mm-hmm. um, could be, could be something even simple, like going to the beach with your buddies mm-hmm. and not everything needs to be so like calculated. But for example, like this year, I want to get to Montana and Utah, mm-hmm. never been to either one without a doubt. I'll get to both those because like I've, I've committed to it before 2021 started. Like I wrote that down as a goal for 2020 is like my adventure goal. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what I mean. Like, uh, living with that level of intention where you wake up and, you've you're like you've manufactured your perfect life Mm -hmm. yeah it's almost it's a way of kind of taking control back too you know like i think a lot of people get concerned about or get like anxious about the fact that they're not in control of their lives do you feel that at all or do you feel like that's like one of by plotting out kind of your year plotting out the big things you want do you feel like that's a way of kind of taking back control yeah i mean i'll go back to what i said before the one thing you know there's, there's one guarantee in life. You can't control how much time you have on this earth. The only True. thing you, you can't control is how and where you spend your time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm controlling the things I can control. I have no, I mean, like God willing, I'm a young guy. I'll live till an old age, but I have no idea. So, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm going to live my year, like my month, my day, like, um, you know, with, with intention and with clarity, knowing I'm doing the things I want to do. And if I wake up one day, set you know feeling i don't want to do this anymore i'll pivot and start to recreate uh you know how i view the life i want to live mm-hmm. you know a powerful like really a powerful exercise to think through um and this might sound weird but if you if you think if you were to just for a moment take a step back and think if i were to live for the next decade mm-hmm. how would i spend my time like that to me is a really powerful question because if you start thinking your life sort of in these 10 year increments and that in 10 years from now, y- y- you will die. And mm-hmm. I hope not, but you know, <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you think, if you think through that, you might like, you might, you might realize a lot of things you're doing today. You might be like, shit. Like mm-hmm. if I only had 10 years left to live, I would not, I would not be doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And I would be doing, you know, X, Y, and Z on a regular basis. And, um, I do think going back to, you know, your question about, um, losing my parents, mm-hmm. I think those strategy, those tragedies definitely put the idea that not even the idea that death is, death is a reality for all mm-hmm. of us. And we can't control right. you know, when that time will come. Um, and that's why like, you know, I don't want to leave 
I don't want, I'm not going to wait till I'm 40 to start living my dream life. I want to live my dream life today and commit to doing that. Yeah. Dan, um, I wanted to ask you one more question on that topic. Do you think that this work from home situation that most of us are in and spending more time, um, by yourself and not maybe in an office space with more people has kind of accelerated some people's thought process of realizing the things that they do like now they have more time on their hands. So I'm like super cognizant that COVID has killed a lot of people and that people have lost someone significant in their life through COVID. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, very aware. I say like on the macro, the world's like chaos right now, but on the micro, I think for a lot of people, it's a really interesting time because a lot of people sort of were given back that time that they didn't Mm -hmm. have, you know, like a lot of, most people were got to come to the office by X, by X time, got to leave by X time. And this is what your life will be. You get the tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah, I so, mean, mm-hmm. we would have never done this podcast if we were never. going to the office every day. <laughs> so, you know, I think I think in that regard, absolutely. But I think that's also a conscious choice and decision that you made because I think there's a lot of people who um, also had a really shitty year and are like, fuck this, fuck that. This year sucks. COVID mm-hmm. needs to end. So you guys sort of, you know, made made the best of the situation and chose to take advantage of it. But I do think... And I, I mean, I really hope for a lot of people. Um, and I think uh, I, I talked about this with a friend the other day and I liked sort of the analogy he used. Um, so I'll, I'll share it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the way uh, my friend also lost his dad young. Mm-hmm. And he was just saying that, you know, when, when we lose someone significant in our life, we get, we get punched in the face and the world sort of keeps going. The world mm-hmm. keeps moving. But for us, the world stops. Mm. COVID in some ways punched the whole world in the face Yeah, where everyone's life has stopped in some regard and everyone sort of had an opportunity to do a pulse check on shit. Like life's precious. And, um, you know, there's a lot that is out of our control. And, um, maybe some people now realize like their job wasn't so secure or they don't have that same financial security they had, a year ago. And then they ask, okay, what, what now, what now? Mm-hmm. So I, I do think in that regard, it's, it's interesting to see um, with work more just with COVID in general. Like I think a lot of people have done a pulse check. One of my best friends lost like a hundred pounds and changed his entire life. And he's so healthy. It's like crazy. It's amazing. He was yeah. So unhealthy to so healthy. Um, and I do think for a lot of people, they'll look back on this time and say, wow, that, that that was a moment where um, I did take a step back and mm-hmm. my life's different now as a result. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And I think just one of the things I want to just comment on you is like, you know, my dad always says, you know, when, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And that's like, just by talking with you, just super impressed with, you know, the way that you respond to tragedy and the way you respond to negative events in life. I mean, I think a lot of people will, you know, I've faced a little bit of tragedy myself in my life and, I've, um, you know, I've struggled with kind of bouncing back and, and not viewing um, tragedy as something that's going to keep happening. It sounds like the way that you deal with tragedy is using it as like a springboard to chase the things that you want in life and, and like using it to change your mindset. And I think that's just super impressive. So I wanted to comment on that. I oh, appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way the way that I view tragedy today um I think I'm, I think I'm, you know, there's, there's some pros and cons to the way that uh, I've navigated, 
you know, like my grief journey thus mm-hmm. far, um, you know, I sort of view the things that I've gained um, as a result in terms of my mindset perspective mm-hmm. to help put me on this path where I almost view myself as uh, so I'll just give you this, the story when, mm-hmm. when my mom was on her deathbed, mm-hmm. um, I told her life's so unfair mm-hmm. first, you know, we lost dad and now you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to lose you Life's so unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, and she interrupted me and said, life is unfair, but it's also so glorious and you need to find the glory. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to tell her, you know, I guess, now I'll never experience like I've already lost dad. I'm going to lose you. I'll never experience hardship again in my life. And she told me, don't be so naive. Yeah. Just cause we died just cause I'm going to die. And you know, dad died already. Doesn't mean you won't experience hardship later mm-hmm. on in life. There's no guarantees in life. That's why you need to go out and find the glory. Mm-hmm. So I think about that a lot. Um, because it is really a true sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like, there's, there's no guarantee. I don't know what will come. Like I said, you know, I, I sort of gave you the example of thinking of your own life in 10 year mm-hmm. increments and thinking about dying in 10 years and how you might live your life differently today. As a result, I don't know what will come in 10 years. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what the future has in store for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all the more reason why, like, I really believe it's everyone's duty and obligation to like go out there and build whatever their dream life is to them. And that can evolve change. And it should, it should evolve and change as you live through things, as you grow as a human being and evolve. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but I think, I think that that is all the more reason to like make you realize and recognize that time is so precious. Your life is truly a miracle Mm -hmm. and that you should go out there and like, don't don't let things like to go back to go back to the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Don't let things like fear deter you from mm-hmm. taking a chance. I mean, whether it be asking a girl out or, you know, starting a business, pursuing a pursuing like if you're if you love music and you want to pursue that professionally, like don't let fear deter you because at, at in the end of the day, like you two will die and uh, none of it, none of it will ultimately matter. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I think that. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I really fear like waking up um, and I don't think of this consciously, but like waking up on your deathbed being like, shit, I really regretted <laughs> X, Y, and Z. I think that would be yeah. like literally the worst thing. Cause the stakes are just, I mean, you know, I, I used, I, I said like, as you get into your later twenties, thirties, there's more consequences if you take a chance in business and you mess mm-hmm. up, but the stakes are still so low because you all, you, everyone dies. Steve jobs mm-hmm. is that quote where, uh, he's like, you're already naked, you know, go mm-hmm. take, take the chance because it's, there's so true. Like, I don't know we're nothing <laughs> in some ways, nothing matters in the end because mm-hmm. we'll, we'll all end up dying. And, um, the things that we m- mentally stress about have like so little significance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a great message. Yeah, I know you, Dan. I know you spoke about a lot. This, spoke a lot about this on your podcast. As far as the podcast journey itself and sharing what you've learned, um, providing advice and just an outlook on life. Um, the podcast experience. Have you enjoyed that? Have you enjoyed interviewing other people? Um, kind of where do you see that going? And just your overall podcasting experience. 
Yeah. So, well, it's funny. So you guys, what this is you guys have recorded six, seven episodes so far. Yeah, something like that. This is <laughs> this only is my. Number- s- this yeah. is only my second one. We have a we have a little trio here that we kind of rotate. So yeah, this is All the right. seventh total. But yeah, we're still we're still working on it. What do you guys normally talk about? Sports, business. Shoot normally, the shit. See, normally, that's the problem. Yeah, well, that's part of the problem that we don't have a clear definition. It's usually, I mean, my one of my main passions, obviously, sports. So we'll talk Specter as well on our other coast, Kyle mm-hmm. Vaughn. Um, we'll talk about sports, and then we'll do some random observations. Uh, some like lighter content at the end of the episode, but yeah, we're still looking for a specific direction. All right. Very cool. Well, it's good. You get the, you get the experience of bringing on a guest, interviewing them, etc. Um, well, I have a lot of advice on that because, yeah. so I launched it. I had a very, I put all this pressure on myself. Like, Oh, it needs to turn into a business. Yeah. Um, needs to turn into a business. Need to get X amount of downloads. Need to, <laughs> need to make money from it. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. But really, my goal, like my goal was I was saying that to myself, you know, like needs to be successful. And again, in this case, I was deeming success as um, making money like that's a metric. Yeah. 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 Got to be dude right now. All right. So anyways, I was hyper obsessed, like checking the analytics on same. every co- every couple hours. <laughs> hyper obsessed. Yeah, same, same thing. You do the same thing? Yeah. All right. So hyper obsessed. <laughs> How many downloads? How many downloads? How many downloads? How many listens? Hyper obsessed. Like literally, like, <laughs> like I was checking this more more so than any other analytic. Um <laughs> then I joined a mastermind group and I was like, gonna be a it's gotta be a business, gotta be a business, gotta be a business. Join a mastermind group. I actually joined the mastermind group pretty like I joined the mastermind group probably once I hit like episode 57, 58. What's a mastermind group? Just like a bunch of other people who have podcasts and a coach. Um, oh. And they all like these people all had legitimate shows. Like I was, there was yeah. one other guy who was kind of like me, but 10,000 downloads an episode, 30,000 downloads an episode, a million downloads a month. And then there's me oh like <laughs> thousand downloads a month. Oh, you do better um, than we are. So, <laughs> so um, how did you hear about this? Is this uh someone you knew, or how do you hear? No, about this? just like networking, trying to figure out okay. how to make the show better. Yeah. Um. And anyways, I I have I'm not working with her now, but I I was working with an amazing like executive coach all of mm-hmm. last year. Um, sort of like very holistic in terms of life and business. Mm-hmm. Um, she was on the show, Kate Livingston. We have there's an episode all about like life coaching with her, mm-hmm. and told her like, you know, I'm not having a good time with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not hitting these metrics. And she's just gave me a subtle reminder that I never started the show to turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. I started the show because I wanted to interview people who have overcome or moved forward through hardship and went on to ultimately build their dream life. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to share that message with the world to hopefully help inspire other people to know that they too will likely face hardship, but they can move forward and build their dream life. Mm-hmm. And, um, Anyways, since then, that was all the reminder I needed. And now I don't check the metrics. So I was in the mastermind group. I left the mastermind group. Um, I told them that they put too much unnecessary pressure. They made me, they really made me like, they wanted me to reevaluate and focus my show. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely a lot of practical, good advice that I got or learned as a result. Um, but, you know, they wanted me to focus my show. And, uh, right now, like if, if you have a cool story 
and you have faced some hardship, I want to mm-hmm. bring you on. Mm-hmm. It could be something as simple as like uh, losing all your money and building back up. It could be facing cancer. It could be losing a loved one. It could be pursuing something professionally, realizing that it wasn't for you, and then making a, mm-hmm. a complete career pivot. I want to have you on my show. I want to share your story because there's probably someone just like you who's in a similar boat that will that can learn from your story as a result. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I, I was in the mastermind group. As a result, I was trying to figure out how to make my show perfect and just stopped recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so I basically took like a two month hiatus mm-hmm. um, where I was doing all this like planning work late night or on the weekends to try to figure out how to make the show better. Mm-hmm. And literally just launched my first episode in two months uh, mm-hmm. this last week. And um, I'm not checking the analytics period. Like don't care. Um, Did you enjoy doing the episode? Oh, it was a blast. Okay. And yeah, I don't, it's really hard to monetize a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that my show will never be uh, not, uh, not to say that like I'll never be able to monetize my show. I hope so one day, but um, if that came in 10 years, cool. If, if it never comes cool, I think I have a greater sense of purpose and mission right now um, in terms of just sharing these amazing stories of people who have mm-hmm. been able to, you know, move forward through hardship and build an interesting, cool life. But I think that, um, you know, that goes back to like what we were talking about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, like I fell victim to like what society deems successful. Mm-hmm. How many downloads yeah. do you get? How much money are you making? I don't give a shit about either of those metrics. And like, if you just want to have a podcast where you want to shit the shit with your, shoot the shit with your friends for mm-hmm. an hour, two hours. And cool. Like if you, if that's, if that's what you want to do and you don't care as much, whether it becomes a business or not, that's awesome. Like you're going to commit to an hour a week with your best friends. You're going to record it. And if, if people listen, cool. If people don't, whatever, obviously if you care about turning it into a business, maybe you want to, try to think a little bit strategically about like, Hey, how do I get, what do people actually want to listen? Mm -hmm. How do I make the show best? What should be the the duration and all that? But you know, there's probably some balance between that where maybe you want to, I don't know, maybe you want to like blow up and have a sports show. I have no idea what, what obviously your goals are, but like, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that goes back funny enough to like what we discussed at the beginning around success. Well, that's that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think to your point too, People are obviously starting podcasts for different reasons. For example, myself, I love talking sports, uh, probably a small audience, very small audience. People like listening to myself and Alex and Kyle talk sports. Um, But at the same time, if I'm coming on here, if I'm enjoying it, and if one person enjoys listening, then that's probably enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think though, too, I've only, I mean, as we mentioned, this is only the seventh episode we've done, but I think there are, are a good amount of things to gain from doing these podcasts, whether it's learning how to interview, public speaking, uh, more importantly, learning how to listen. Um, like even in the office space, I think there's a lot of things from podcasting that you can learn and take there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, <laughs> I I feel like in some ways podcasting has become like having a LinkedIn, right? Like so many people have launched uh you're almost like an early adopter to having a LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I don't think, right. Everyone will have a LinkedIn. Everyone will have a podcast and I don't think everyone should have a podcast. Um, but, but I mean, can I think have if, a podcast, but you can. Yeah. But I do <laughs> think absolutely. Like if you were applying for a job and you're like, Oh, I have a, I have a podcast. Um, I think at this point in time that would catch 
that would catch like a recruiter or someone hiring that would catch their attention because I think it shows a lot of the skill set that you just dove into. Um, but also it shows that uh, you're interesting. You have some hobbies. You are willing to talk about them like openly on the internet and uh, you can commit to something that you start. Like, I think it shows a lot of interesting things. I think another thing that's really interesting about having a podcast and I don't really leverage it for this, but I know a lot of smaller businesses that do, um, it gives you a reason to connect with people. So in mm-hmm. terms of just expanding your network, like if you had a sports show, you probably have a greater likelihood of getting someone, whether it be a professional athlete, um, like an amateur athlete, uh, maybe someone else who's like an analyst to come on your show because now you have a platform. So, and no one knows, obviously like, um, people see what, whatever you post on the internet. So people see what you post on Instagram, et cetera, Facebook, but no one knows if your show has a million downloads a month or 10,000 or 1000 or, or, or two, you know, like, no one knows, which is right. one of the interesting things about podcasting too. So yeah, that was the other point I was going to mention too, is that one, it can get you out of your comfort zone. And two, you can end up having conversations with people that you would, would never speak to. Um, so yeah, I think those are two more pros. I think a lot of the people who I have out of my show to date, um, I will, I would have never spoken to them. Like I had, I had the guy from, um, shit, I'm blanking on his name just cause it's been a while, but do you, uh, Oh, have you guys seen war dogs I thought uh, Jonah Hill and um um uh, fuck. I, I don't know anything up. about movies but there yeah, pull, pull it off <laughs> uh, Miles Teller Miles, Miles Teller, Teller. Yeah. you had Miles Teller on no no so I didn't have Miles Teller on <laughs> but I had the guy that Miles Teller plays in the movie mm-hmm. I had the guy that like um Miles Teller portrayed um that's cool what was the what was that episode like about Oh, you gotta you gotta watch the movie War Dogs. I mean, this yeah. this That's guy, first step. he and jo- uh, like Miles Teller and Jonah Hill portrayed the actual guys. Mm-hmm. Um, they were uh they sold ammunition and they basically sold. I think it was like fifty million dollars of mm-hmm. um uh Chinese ammunition to the U.S. government. Uh, yes, to the U.S. government. And in the contract, they were only allowed to sell like strictly said they could not sell Chinese ammunition and they sold Chinese ammunition. Um, they were like, they were selling ammunition in their, in their twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ended up, I'm ruining the movie for you, but they end up going, they end up going to jail because what they did was not really illegal, but, um, I don't know. It was, it was probably somewhere on the line of illegal and legal, but more mm-hmm. illegal. Right. He said it wasn't illegal, but he still, he was like on house arrest and, uh, David, like the main character, he ended up going to jail for some time. So it's just like a fascinating story. And, um, you know, like that guy gave me two hours of his time to tell his so story. Cool. Yeah. How'd so you, like, how'd you get connected with him? I just reached out to him. That's yeah. awesome. Were yeah. you yeah. nervous so for either it? your first few podcasts or your interview with him or no? Um, the first one I was nervous about, um, like really nervous, but after the first one, my guest, uh, Sunil, who I just had on the show for the second time, mm-hmm. He told me like, dude, like don't come in and and plan any questions. He's like, (laughs) just come in and be your natural self and be curious about the things you're curious about and dive deeper into that. So, um, since then, uh, I don't really like, you know, I'll do some research on the person if I don't know anything about Mm. them. Uh, but typically speaking, I don't, do too much planning and prep work. I, so I had, I had Brandon Steiner on and he went to Q's. Right. And so, um, 
I had him on and his someone on his team like actually reached out. Um, I think he was just like promoting his book or something. So I had him on, um, but I, this was like early. He was like the first, he was like the first, like he was the first person I had on outside of my network. Mm-hmm. Um, and I listened to every speech. I, I spent like literally an entire weekend, locked myself in my room, read the book, listened to his podcast, listened to his, him speaking at colleges. By the time I had him on, I knew this guy's story probably better than he, what he could recall mm. from his own memory that like it was, he's an interesting guy. Mm. He has a cool business. Awesome story. I enjoyed having him on, but personally it was like, I didn't have that much fun with it because mm-hmm. everything he said, I could have, I could have pulled it from right. his mouth. Yeah. I'm like, I know, I know everything about this guy. <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing. It's like, you want to know enough to like s- seem like, you know, enough, but you also don't want to have the whole story because then you're not curious about anything. Yeah. yeah exactly. I also feel like it's anything else. Not a, like, not to compare it to a job interview, but you want to feel like if someone's coming on your podcast that you at least took the time to learn about what their, what their deal is. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to be like, um, <laughs> yeah, you, you want to know, I saw someone on LinkedIn post the other day about their company mm-hmm. and like, they got a message, like, like they're the CEO of, uh, the guy's a co-founder of a business called CrossNet. They sell like four way volleyball and someone DM'd him saying, what's CrossNet? And he wrote back, Google it. Like what a <laughs> stupid question, you know, yeah. like, yeah, you want to, you want to know like the foundation In or general. Yeah. But, but I, fa- I find personally, if you know too much, it's just like, I've heard this. It's like watching the same movie on, on mm-hmm. repeat, you know, eventually yeah. it gets really boring. Do you right. typically send an agenda uh, the way we did for a guest or prepare him for the topics you're going to cover? Or just let it go. Yeah. So I typically do. Um, and then I used to also, I would schedule like a call beforehand to try to like figure out what we would talk about. Um, right now I'm back to like no call. I'm going to send the agenda of the things I'd like to discuss and see where the conversation goes, but right, just let it rip. Um, I don't know. Again, I think it depends on what, what your goal is of, with your show. Like, mm-hmm. do you, do you want to try to make this into a business or do you not care as much? Like if it, if it becomes a business, <laughs> cool. I mean, the way I'm checking anchor, you would think so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ideally, I mean, there'd be, I wouldn't complain about monetizing it, but I think for now it's just a fun hobby it's good to have these conversations. I mean, yeah. this is certainly like substantially more enjoyable than any, than like any of the other ones. I mean, just like meeting someone new, talking about, yeah. you know, shooting the shit, learning about you and getting some advice. I mean, I thought this was great. So even yeah, if we... I, mean, I think, I think I appreciate that. I think it, it depends on like what your goal is. And then I mm-hmm. guess you also need to be realistic. Like if your show was successful, let's just say you were achieving like 10,000 downloads a month. Let's just say that would be like that's at that point you can monetize, mm-hmm. but there's three of you. Could it, could it afford to pay you all a salary? Like probably yeah. not. You're probably getting like maybe a 10. I don't even know what you get at that, but maybe at 10,000 downloads a month, you're getting like a couple hundred bucks. A, uh, we haven't, ha- we haven't had these conversations yet. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to bring yeah. this up at some point. Um, <laughs> Got it. Yeah. The other yeah, thing so- too, though, that we did with this episode that I am going to do dooming forward is usually I'll start the episode saying, all right, I'm going to hit record now, which I try to do with you, but I am glad we did this and say, all right, we're recording on a Tuesday night. I think, especially if you have a guest, it's almost better to just have them on and just start talking. Cause I feel like once you say, all right, I'm going to hit record now, then people might, including myself might like stiffen up the slightest bit. Yeah. Nor normally on mine, um, similar, like I'll welcome the person when they come on and then I'll hit record. And then, 
Um, I can always edit out or have, I don't edit it, but have the guy that edits it uh, either leave in like some conversation at the beginning. Um, but yeah, I think it's a little bit more natural. Yeah. But you know, there's, it's, it's funny too. Cause a lot of the shows that I like to listen to aren't like the shows that like I I've, I listen to a lot of these interview shows. Mm-hmm. Um, like honestly, the podcasts I like the most are crime related. So it's more like narration or it's storytelling right. where it's not like an interview based, which is sort of like what the, sh- the show that I have. Um, so I don't know. I like, I don't, I don't learn anything from the shows that I listen to. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'm mostly learning from like Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell and some of the main sports podcasts, but not, I mean, not just like enjoying the content, but more so specifically with Bill Simmons, just realizing how good of an interviewer he is. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's, I guess it's tough and you, you, you see it obviously having your own show. Um, it's just being a great interviewer is a skill set. Like mm-hmm. um, I think like Howard Stern, uh, like the way he's able to dig with his guests is like, really, you see, it's like, it's, it really is such a skill set. And oh, it's art. amazing. Yeah. To be able to ask the tough questions and get a legitimate answer back is like, it's, it's really impressive. I mean, Oprah is unbelievable at it. Like, Larry yeah. King, RIP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tough. it's, it's, um, it's not, it's not easy, but that's why, um, I don't know. I just don't have any time, but like with another buddy, he's like, Oh, we should start a show and just like shoot the shit because we love talking mm-hmm. with one another. And we tried, we tried recording one and it was just like, <laughs> it was, we just didn't talk about anything of substance <laughs> and we're like, literally no, no, no one's going to listen to this. No one's going to care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I think we were like forced, like, we were making jokes uh, with one another that we thought were like hilarious, but mm-hmm. we were just being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think just like anything else, I think it's at least with the podcast space, not that I'm any, any master, but I feel like it's mostly just reps. Um, I think the more reps you get, the more comfortable it becomes. Yeah. I, I posted this on LinkedIn the other day. Um, one second. I want to, I thought it was interesting. And this is so my my brother-in-law works at this company Acast which is like distribution hosting. They're 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 a great uh like really phenomenal company for anyone who's looking to start a podcast or who has a podcast and is looking for hosting etc. Um what he okay. So he just always says, you know, you got to you got to strengthen the muscle. It's like going to the gym and lifting weights. That's exactly what it'll be like when you start a show, especially like, you know, like if you were Shaquille O'Neal and you started a show, you're going to instantly have several hundred thousand million downloads on the drop and you're going to be able to monetize. But all of us, we don't have a platform. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's really challenging and it just takes a lot, a lot of time, but you know, it is, let's just say you did this for the next 10 years of your life. Every week you're going to go on and you're going to record one episode, publish it, etc. Um, the odds of you creating something as a result, I think are pretty high. Um, hold on. I want to scroll down and just read this. So this, this was interesting that I found from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, where is it? Uh, uh, yeah. I've spent too much time on YouTube myself watching <laughs> podcasts, which is something I never thought I would get into. So, um, where the hell did I put it? Wait, I found it. <clears throat> okay. The, 
I post too much on here. <laughs> All right, here. The average YouTube creator gets the gets the the average YouTube creator gets followers. One thousand to ten thousand followers, one hundred fifty-one videos. Ten thousand to a hundred thousand followers, four hundred eighteen videos. So wait, let's just if you just think about that. So it took for the average YouTuber took them to get 1,000 to 10,000 followers, 151 videos. You're only on seven. You're on seven. seven. <laughs> you know, I'm only on, I'm only on like 60 something from to get to 10,000 to a hundred thousand. That's obviously a huge range, mm-hmm. 418 videos. So, you know, you have to do four, you have to do like 400 times the content yeah. that you've created. Yeah. It's crazy. Dan, the last question I wanted to ask you, uh, Spectre, if, if you have something, of course, but yeah, no, go for it. When you're reaching out to people that you've never introduced yourself to, never spoken to, that you would love to come on your podcast, is there a specific strategy you have for that? Um, I'm sure it depends on the person, but like normally what I would do is just reach out, send them a compliment. Obviously, if you know someone um, that can like introduce you that mm-hmm. knows them, but typically speaking, I just send them a compliment. Love your brand. Love your story. And Typically speaking, because I want to talk to them further on the podcast, like it's pretty authentic. Mm-hmm. I probably do really enjoy something they're doing or I'm fascinated or curious about something they're doing. And then I ask them to come on the show. Um, and I typically will say something like um, my audience. Uh, I know my audience will get a lot from your story. Um, something like that. I do something like that to try to mm-hmm. uh have them give me, you know, graciously give me their time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I'll typically follow up pretty relentlessly until they say no. Right. Like, yeah. Hard hour. Like, yeah. <laughs> like there, there's one entrepreneur who I really wanted to get on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do believe I'll get him on eventually. Um, but like, he just probably, I was emailing him for literally like almost a year, like probably since I started the show. Mm-hmm. So I guess a year. And he just gave me like, he gave me like six months ago, like follow up now. And I mm-hmm. just followed up and he said no. So like, I'll probably email that person until I get a hard no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'd say just relentlessly contact them. And I'd say like, um, this is going to sound so outlandish and ridiculous, um, but it is something that I've told people before. Um, like, I think a lot of times, a lot of people get scared to like, whether it be a job interview and you're scared and you're just like nervous about uh, the recruiting process or your interview. Um, like you and that person are literally both human mm-hmm. and uh, like no different. If so- this is going to sound literally the most outlandish. No, thing. go for it. Um, but like, no, di- like people, you know, sometimes people have told me like, Oh, I'm so nervous for my interview. Mm-hmm. And I go like, if someone came up to that person and shot him with a gun, they die just as if someone came up to you and shot you with a gun, you die. So like you're both human. You have nothing like you have nothing to fear. Like they're literally no different than you. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think recognizing that like I'm not starstruck at like whatsoever, Mm -hmm. but um, I don't know. That's why like if I see someone famous, I'm, I'm just like, cool. Like they just use their time differently than how, how I've used my time. Mm And um, or they might have some skill set that like, I just would never have, whether it be like a professional athlete, you know, I was, I was actually at the, uh, a car, a car, uh, like a repair shop the other day and a UFC fighter, Aljamain Sterling was in there. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, he's like pretty well known, pretty famous. I was just like, I didn't even say what's up. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, well, there's just a human being. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, uh, we can, that's a whole nother topic. Like, you know, like, I don't have the skill set to go become a professional, um, to go become a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. But um, with that being said, like, um, you know, the God given talents that person has, et cetera. But uh, I really do believe in many ways, like, the world is a blank canvas and you mm-hmm. got to go and paint it the way you want it. So maybe, you know, none of us have the skill set to play in the NBA, but, um, you know, you could become a manager or a sportscaster, have, have a famous podcast, whatever you want to do. Like there are ways to play in the spaces that you're really enthusiastic about. Absolutely. No, Dan, I appreciate you joining us. This was awesome. Mm-hmm. Learned a lot. Um, and just appreciate you taking the time. This was great. All right. Awesome. Well, hopefully, uh, Whoever listens to this gets something, gets something yeah. from it. Well, I'm sure well, they will. I'm sure what, they will. Once we get the 10,000 daily downloads, we'll let you come down again and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get you out there. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> All right, Dan, we appreciate your time, man. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, Dan. Be, be well.